Take your Bibles, go to the book of Ecclesiastes, and um, I've got two messages that I want to preach this morning, and there's not time for both, so I'm going to just give you a little bit of my heart from both of them just for a second. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, but what a blessing it is to be able to come. Uh, I had a great opportunity to go out and spend a little bit of time with Brother and Mrs. Weaver yesterday. And so grateful for their friendship and their investment in my life. And so thankful for them and this place, uh, just the, the room that was provided and the, just the graciousness. I uh, got a chance to be able to talk with Brother Chapel a little bit yesterday. And uh, you are blessed to be here. I hope you recognize all the opportunities that you're getting to, to have while you're here. And there's some wonderful people that have sacrificed a lot to be able to invest in you while you're here. And then uh, to be able to, to follow the man of God that he has lifted up in this place to lead this ministry. And so lots of great opportunities for each of you. And so don't, don't take it for granted. Uh, just watch everything that's going on. Uh, this is not going on everywhere. Uh, so, so what a blessing. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. Usually somebody will start a message with something comical or funny, try to break the ice, but I'm not funny. People don't laugh with me. Usually they laugh at me. And so, no, I'm just, I don't have that humor. Brother uh, Mike Ray, he's a close friend of mine. He is just funny. And it doesn't matter what's going on. He's able to just make you laugh and have a good time. And, and so I can't tell stories like that. So I'm not even going to attempt to. Uh, but I want you to look with me here real quickly before we even get to our text. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And uh, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 9. Ecclesiastes 11. The Bible says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Right now you are in a time of decisions. There are so many decisions, and you've made some good decisions already to bring you to, to this place. And praise the Lord for that. But you're in a time of decisions. And right now, decisions are being made in your life on really who you are. You're still trying to figure out. Many of you think you know who you are, but really you don't yet. It took me a little bit to figure out who I was. But you're going to figure out who you are. You're going to make decisions on what you're going to do with your life. You're going to make decisions about who you want to spend your life with. How, how many of you want to spend your life with somebody? All right. Uh, that's a good thing. And so who you're going to marry, that is, that is a major decision. Where you're going to live. Some of you are going to have to make this decision if you're going to even finish college. Some of you haven't made that decision. Well, I'm just going to come. I'll get a year done. 
How many, how many seniors do we have? All right, praise the Lord. Great job. You are at the end of this race, this, this leg of the race. Praise the Lord. A uh, whole lot of hard work went into it. Now you can see the end of that, uh, that journey. All right. How many freshmen do we have? Wow. Do you see the difference? All right. Put your hands down. Seniors, raise your hand high. Look around. Look around. Okay. Put your hands down. Freshmen, hold your hand up. Does that show you how many people don't finish? There were, there were probably the same percentage. I think they say that about 25%, Dr. R, about 25% who start graduate. I believe that we had 800 in my freshman class and we had uh, just over 200. It was like 212 that graduated. Some haven't made decisions on what they're going to finish. But if you're going to run the race and finish the course that God has for you, we've got to realize that in these decisions, every single one of them, we're going to give an account to God for it. There's an account that we're going to give. He said, for all these things, know that God will bring thee into judgment. And so when we make our decisions, we really want to make sure that we're making some good decisions. Amen? All right. Get, grab your Bibles now and we'll uh, get to the second message. Uh, Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. And let's look at verse number 21. Matthew 16, verse 21. The Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Uh, here the Lord is telling Peter, he said, listen, he said, you are caring about the temporal. You're not caring about the eternal. You're caring about my life down here. You're not caring about the purpose, the plan that I have. Verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Here we find the Savior talking to, he's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the men that he had already called. He's talking to a group of people who had already given up everything. He's talking to those that forsook all and followed him immediately. And now he says, if any man will follow me. I can sort of imagine in their mind, they're thinking, Lord, what have we been doing for the last three years? I mean, we are following you. The Lord said, if any man will follow me, he said, let him take up his cross and deny himself and take up his cross and 
follow me. You know, when we look at the disciples' life, when we, fall, we look at the expectation that Christ had on them, there was an expectation of commitment. Commitment. Commitment is something that I'm afraid has lowered and lowered and lowered. We win somebody to Christ. We say, okay, you, want, you come to Sunday school. We'll watch you for a while. We'll wait. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, put you on this plan. We'll, we'll, we'll just wait before you can really get engaged and involved in anything. And uh, we, we hold off. We, somebody gets saved and they start to get involved. And it's like, well, you know, you don't want to go too fast. You don't want to burn out. We need to slow down a little bit. Don't get involved in everything. But that's not really what we find in the scripture. We find when the Lord walked by the shore of Galilee, he said, follow me. And he, was kept, he kept going. What happened? Peter and Andrew dropped their nets. They walked a little farther and Jesus looked over at James and John. And the Lord called them and they, they left their ship and they followed. And here, three years later, the Lord's still looking for commitment. You're here at Bible College. You've made some good decisions. There's been commitment for you to even get through this first, uh, first year, this year of school. But graduation comes. Life opens up. What is it going to look like in our future? This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, committed to Christ. Committed to Christ. And let's pray together. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for the many opportunities that you give to us. We're so thankful that you would even choose to use sinful men. You would even take a, a moment to even consider using us or allowing us to partner together with you. Uh, Lord, to take your yoke and to get into the yoke with you. Lord, what a, what a great opportunity that that is. And now, Lord, as we look at these passages this morning, Lord, I pray that all of us, I pray, God, that in my own soul that you would help me, Lord, to be committed to you. And I pray that you'd bless now in these next few moments for Christ's sake. Amen. You can be seated. When we look at this thing of commitment, commitment to Christ is not a, a, a uh, it is not a uh, grudgery. It is not something that we have to look at and say, you know what, I'm going to follow the Lord and, and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give my, my life to the Lord and I'm just going to endure till the end. Let me tell you, the Christian life is the greatest life on earth. I mean, uh, to follow the Lord and to follow the, the principles that he gives us in his word, it is a life that is a blessed life. It's a life that you will look at and say, man, how come my life is blessed? How come I get to enjoy all of these things? Uh, the reason we get to enjoy them because we have a Savior who has given us a recipe for this life. We have a God that's given us a recipe on how to live. And when we follow the recipe, it works. How many of you ladies like to cook? How many of you guys like to cook? I like to cook. 
And so tomorrow's our men's breakfast. And every uh, third Saturday of every month, we have a men's breakfast. Myself and one other man, uh, one of the other men, we come in and 6.30 in the morning, we start cooking and we'll have a group of guys that'll come. But I enjoy cooking. Uh, and with, with that cooking, uh, there, is, there are some blessings after you learn to cook. You can improvise a little bit. But you can't improvise until you understand how to make something. And um, if you were going to make some chocolate chip cookies and you were going to take some uh, that chocolate chip cookie and you had the recipe before you, you'd probably grab some flour and you'd probably grab some baking soda, I'm guessing. Uh, I'm sure that there'd be some sugar in there and you'd grab some uh, chocolate chips and you'd take all these different ingredients and you'd put them in. I don't know. They put eggs in chocolate chip cookies. Okay, an egg. And so you've got an egg in the chocolate chip cookie and all of those things, when you put them in and you do it right and you put them on that uh, cookie sheet and when it comes out of the oven and they're still warm and gooey, well, come on now. <laughs> Man, what a blessing. You enjoy those. Has anybody ever eaten a raw egg? There's a few of you. All right. When I was when I was young, Rocky came out. Dun 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 dun. dun. But he he would pull, he would crack those eggs into that glass. My brother and I we would, man, we're gonna be tough. And we'd grab those eggs and we'd have a big tall glass and we'd put about five eggs in that thing. And then it was like, no, I got to do it. And you put it in and all of a sudden that egg starts going down and you're trying to just swallow. You don't want to taste anything. You just want to swallow and you start chugging that thing down. Uh, and that's, that's one of those things that does not taste good. When I was having a youth activity, I was a youth pastor for uh, 18 years. And when I was working with the teenagers, we would have contests with the kids. And we had a big one inch, uh, one and a half inch uh, clear tube. And I'd crack eggs into it. And it was about six foot long. And we put one guy on one side and another guy on the other side. We'd have those eggs in the middle. And whoever blew the hardest won. <laughs> and somebody was going to lose. And so we would, we would blow into that, they would blow into that, and somebody invariably was going to just get a mouthful of egg. And from that point, it was pua, pua, pua. They're spitting it out. Uh, the teenagers one time, they decided, well, we want you and one of the other, they wanted me and one of the other workers to, to have a contest. And I, I started saying, oh, no, Brother Johnson, he, he's, he's a sissy. Uh, he'll eat the egg, you know, he's an Air Force guy and um, military. And I just started doubting, downing him and said, you know, he couldn't do it. And, and so we're just, we're, I'm just making a big deal out of it. The kids kept making a big deal about us having the contest. And so I said, okay. I said, I'm in if Brother Johnson's not going to, uh, if he's not going to uh, wimp out on us. And so Brother Johnson's like, man, I'm not wimping out. And, and so I've got him all psyched up and uh, we are ready. They're gonna, we're going to blow one Two, and as soon as they hit three, I mean, Brother Johnson, he wanted to make sure that he was not going to eat that egg. Everything within him, he blew as hard as he could, and I turned that hose. 
<laughs> oh, man, he was just covered in egg. It was beautiful. Uh, but, but if you're going to eat uh, just an egg, you would want to eat just a raw egg. You might want to eat the chocolate chips, but you're not going to want to take a big spoonful of, of the flour. You know, some things in the Christian life, if you had just individually, if you took just one thing out of it, it might not be as enjoyable. But let me tell you something. When you put everything that the Lord gives us into the Christian life and we follow it and we obey him and we follow the direction, we follow the recipe, it is an enjoyable life. And if there's somebody that says a Christian life is, is a grudgery, boy, there's something wrong with them. Uh, because a Christian life is a wonderful thing. And being committed to Christ is something that is an honor to do. It's an honor to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an honor to be able to lift him up. It's an honor to be able to tell people that we serve a risen Savior. Just think about this weekend. Uh, we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, he is not in that tomb. Uh, he has arisen and praise the Lord for that. Uh, but we get to serve a Savior. Uh, but we need to be a, a people that that are committed to Christ. And so if we are going to be committed to Christ, I want you to see three things this morning. I'm not going to teach you anything new. It's not the new things that we struggle with. It's the things we know. If we could just get, if we could just grab on to the foundation of the truths that God has for us, we can make it. But I want you to see one thing, first thing here this morning. If we are going to be committed to Christ, it's a decision. It's a decision. It's a decision that you're going to have to make. Uh, it's a decision that you're going to have to decide that you are going to follow Christ. Uh, it's a decision that is made and a decision made by faith because we don't know how it's going to turn out. I mean, if Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee and said, Peter, I want to tell you something. I want you to follow me, but before I tell you to follow me, I want, you to I want to tell you that you're going to be rejected. I want to tell you that they are going to crucify you. You're going to die a martyr's death on an upside-down cross. I wonder what Peter would have thought. Uh, I don't know if I want to get involved in that. You know, the decision that we make is a decision by faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. The Christian life is a life that we, we live, but it's a life of faith. We don't know how everything's going to turn out. Uh, if, we, if we were to look at our three-year plan and our five-year plan and say, okay, I want this to happen, I want this to happen, I want this to, to happen, and I am for uh, having a plan, I am for having strategy, I am for uh, putting things into uh, to play to try to bring things about, but, but we have to realize the Christian life isn't about what we can, we can manufacture. The Christian life and being committed to Christ is going to be the result of us just following him. It's a decision that is made by faith. And nobody can make that decision for you but you. I've got three children. When they were small, if they didn't listen, I could impose my will on them. I remember my oldest, David, he was, we were still in Bible college and 
he was about two years old and told him he needed to pick up his toys. And he wasn't picking up his toys. So I just went over and I started picking them up and putting them all the way for him. No, no, that's not what I did. I went and I grabbed his arms. And we went over and we went over to one toy and he was holding his hands out. And so I grabbed him with his wrists then. I was pulling those toys together. And then I sort of walked him over to the toy box and dropped him. And we went to the next one and we went to the next toy and picked him up and we got him. He was going to do what I told him to do. And when they're small, you can impose your will on them. When you were small, your parents could impose their will on you. But there's coming a time that you're following Christ and your commitment to Christ. It's not going to be based on what your pastor has told you what to do. It is not going to be based on what your parents have said for you to do. It is going to have to come to a time where you make the decision for yourself, where this thing called the Christian life, this thing about following Christ, this thing about being a, a, a committed follower of Jesus Christ, it's a decision that we have to make. And it's a decision that you have to make all by yourself. Nobody can make that decision for you. Uh, who was the Lord in our, in our text here in Matthew 16? Uh, who was he talking to? Then said Jesus unto his, who? His disciples. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Uh, and here the, he's talking to his followers and he's saying, listen, uh, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. It's a decision. And, and this decision about being a, uh, about following Christ and being de a dedicated or committed follower of Christ, it's a decision uh, that is, is made often as in we have to die to self daily and we have to recommit ourselves because we're all prone to wander. The songwriter wrote, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. And we are, we're prone to wander. But, but with that commitment, there should be a time when there's been some overall commitment and a decision, a big picture that we make and say, listen, this is the, the direction that I'm going to go with my life. And that is no longer up for grabs. I don't decide day, day in and day out whether or not I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't decide day in and day out if I am going to serve the Lord. That decision was made a long time ago. When I walked an aisle and I surrendered my life uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I, I know not only am I saved, but I know that he called me into the ministry and I know that decision that I made. It was a decision that I made. And from that day, July 9th of 1986, 86, uh, when I surrendered my life to preach, uh, there was 545 other young people that walked an aisle that day and surrendered their life to Christ. I don't know where any of the other 544 are, but I know where I'm at. I made a decision that I was going to follow Christ with my life. And there's a decision that comes to a place where every one of us, we have to make a decision about what we're going to do with our life. Let me ask you, young person, have you made that decision? Have you made a decision? You say, well, I'm in Bible college. I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That's not what I ask. Have you decided that you are going to be committed to the Savior for your entire life? I mean, it's not something that I'm going to try out for a couple years. It's not, well, you know, we'll just see how this works out. No, it's a decision that I'm going to make. Peter, when he followed the Lord, that decision to follow the Lord affected the rest of his life. And sure, he had his times and he had his ups and his downs. And you know what? That just gives me hope. That other people that have some ups and downs that still make it to the end of that race. 
But he was committed. He was committed to following the Savior. Take your Bibles, go back to Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 17. Matthew 4, 17. Uh, let's see, Brother Shepherd, what time are we done? 11.40, okay. You listen fast because I'm going to have to talk fast. All right. And so Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on thence, he saw two other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Just think about what they did, that decision, when Jesus said, I want you to follow me, immediately they left all. You talk about commitment. I mean, we, we follow the Lord, but, but we're, not, we're not giving up anything to follow Christ. It's not like I'm, I didn't have to walk away from a business to follow Christ. I wasn't walking away from uh, an entire livelihood. Uh, man, I was just a kid. I was 16 years old, 17 years old when I surrendered to preach. Uh, but but it was, it was uh, I didn't have to give up a whole lot. You know what? I received a whole lot when I made the decision to follow Christ. And here are these disciples there. They made some decisions. It was a decision. Uh, he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. So those, uh, they didn't lose anything. Uh, when we are following the Savior, uh, we are the ones that win. Uh, secondly, quickly, uh, we see, first of all, that it is a decision to follow Christ. If we're going to be committed, it's a decision. Secondly, it's a direction. It's a direction. You know, when we look at this, event in Matthew 4 and then again in chapter 16 we don't have Jesus asking the disciples what do you think we should do what way do you think I should go you know Jesus knew which way he was going he had set his face as a flint towards the cross he knew what direction he was going to go he knew what path he was going to take. You know what? If you're going to follow the Savior, not only is it going to be a decision, there's going to be a directional change in your life. There's going to be a direction that is set. Some of you that have been uh, raised in church and that direction has already been set for you and those bumpers on that bowling lane have already been put up and it's helped you stay on the right path. Uh, those bumpers are going to come away, but there's still that direction. And that direction has already been sort of helped. You've been helped to see a direction but you're going to have to realize, you know what, that is the direction that I want to go. Unfortunately, we, we see so many that start down the right path and they stop along the way and say, you know what, I think I want to do something different. I think I want to live my own life. I think I want to be independent. I think I want to have my own identity and I want to do my own thing. And so they leave the minority uh, of, of those of us that are following the Savior and they join the majority of the world and say, now I have my identity. I am, I am an individual now. And that, of course, is not the case. There's a direction uh, that God has for us. And there is an expectation that the life that we live is going to be a life of holiness. It's going to be a life of selflessness. It's going to be a life 
that we are living to bring honor and glory to him. When we look at this word, when he said follow, he said, if any man will follow me. And when Jesus said to the disciples, follow me and I will make thee become fishers of men. We find that there are two words in our English. The English, we have one word that means that, that's translated follow. In the Greek, there was two words, two underlying words. And it was dio ta opis. And uh, this, these two words, uh, they, were, they were the word diote, uh, 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 that was the word that was to come hither. It was, it was follow me, but it was, hey, come on, let's go. And the word otis was behind. I want you to come behind. I want you to come and follow. I want you to be behind me. I want you to be in, in, in line with me. And when we are going to decide that we are going to follow the Savior, the Lord doesn't come and ask us uh, what direction we want to go. The Lord says, listen, I want you to make a decision that you're going to follow me. But in that decision to follow me, I want you to realize that I already have the direction figured out. I've already got the path figured out. I've already got the way figured out. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Uh, he, he has the life, not only the way, not only for salvation, he has the way for, uh, for the life that we're supposed to live right now, the plan that we're supposed to follow. And you and I need to make sure that we are following in his plan and going the direction. We need to follow him and his word and his commands, his instructions, uh, his purposes, his plan, his leading. Isaiah 55, 8, the Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, you and I don't have to know all the stops along the way. We don't have to know how it's all going to work out. But we need to make a decision that we're going to follow and we're going to be committed. We need to submit ourselves to his direction. Following his ways. His ways are counter- Cultural. Light and darkness, they don't go together. And if we're going to follow his plan and we're going to follow him, then it's going to put us on a path that's going a different direction than what the world is going. So there's a direction. I'll hasten. Thirdly, it's dedication, it's commitment. You look at the apostles. Peter was crucified, died a martyr's death. We have John who was boiled in oil and then exiled to Patmos. We have Thomas. The history says that Thomas was filleted alive. Doubting Thomas. Boy, he didn't doubt for long, did he? We have the Apostle Paul who was beheaded. We go into the book of Hebrews and we find the hall of faith. Those that were torn asunder. You see how the commitment that people lived, it was a commitment even unto death. You know, 
We're not facing that in our, our world today. In America, to follow Christ and to be committed to him, dedicated to him, nobody's losing their head. Different parts of the world they are. But there are still ought to be a commitment. The Lord, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Commitment to Christ. Decisions to follow. The direction that we're supposed to live and go. But then that dedication. I'm going to get to the end of my race. I'm going to finish. A week ago Saturday, I preached my dad's funeral. Dad just turned 70. Never spent a day in the hospital in his life. No surgeries. Was healthy as could be. First week of February was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. But now he's with the Savior. From the time he got saved till the time he passed away, he was committed. He's not up in heaven saying, Boy, I wish I'd have spent more hours on the golf course. He's not saying, I wished I would have spent more time hunting. Well, maybe. He's thankful that he stayed committed to the Savior. One day our life is going to be over. Right now is our turn to run. Let's be committed to Christ.